0: It's Thursday, August 30th, and this is The Daily Dive. There's a big food fight in Missouri over the use of the M-word, meat. A new law aimed at clearing up shopper confusion just went into effect, and it bans calling plant-based and clean meat alternatives meat. Zlati Meyer, reporter for USA Today, joins us to talk about the new law, who pushed for the law, and why the makers of tofurkey are fighting back. Next, President Trump attacked Google earlier this week, saying that search results for Trump news only brought up fake news and national left-wing media, suppressing conservative outlets. Google responded and said they don't bias the results toward any political ideology. But how does Google organize their search results? For that, we turn to Jefferson Graham, host of the Talking Tech podcast, to find out why everyone's search results are different. Finally, we might be close to losing another American icon, Insiders are saying that Sears may be close to the end. With closing stores and a CEO that many are saying has been dismantling the company for years, Sears has become the weekend at Bernie's of department stores. Erica Pandey, global e-commerce reporter for Axios, joins us to talk about the fall of Sears. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. Cultured meat which is also called clean meat, is grown in a culture without the use of animal slaughter. With clean meat, you take animal cells and you basically feed them sugars, and it takes three calories in to get one calorie out in the form of meat. Joining us now is Lati Meyer, Money Reporter for USA Today. There is a food fight in Missouri over the use of the M-word. Missouri became the first state in the country to have a law in the books that prohibits food makers from using the word meat to refer to anything that wasn't made from animal flesh. What is going on in the state of Missouri? That's
1: true. The M-word indeed. That law was signed by the then governor on June 1st, and it took effect on Tuesday. This is a way for the state to regulate what we just in conversation might call fake meat or faux meat, but it's actually two different categories of meat. The first is called clean meat. This is also known as lab-grown meat. It's made of cultured animal tissue cells. Then there's also something called plant-based meat, and that is protein that's made from ingredients such as soy or tempeh that essentially are plants. And what the essence of this is the rancher community, which is basically represented by something called the Missouri Cattlemen's Association, they don't want anything called meat unless it comes from an actual animal, be it cattle or or beer, or
0: poultry. And they're saying that they brought this suit forward because they wanted to make sure that consumers know what they're getting, and they cited that there was a lot of shopper confusion and that people didn't know or possibly wouldn't know what they were getting, especially once the lab-grown meat came into effect. That's really what the focus of the suit was, but that's the grounds that they were suing on.
1: That's right. So earlier this week, a company that makes tofurkey, which is a turkey-esque product made out of tofu, filed an injunction in the Missouri Federal Court asking that this statute not be enforced. And one of the things they're saying is there is no confusion. People know that these new products exist, and no one is confusing this with your traditional all-American, say, beef burger or chicken cutlet. That's the
0: whole point of those things, is that they're marketing to people that don't want to eat animals. And they're clearly labeled all the time. I mean, I go through these aisles all the time. They're clearly labeled as plant-based or, you know, as you said, the tempeh or the seitan or the tofu. It's clearly labeled so that you know it's not meat because people that are buying those don't want the animals.
1: Right. Well, there is always the crowd of people that knows exactly what they're seeking. Their concern is probably more people that are not so well-versed in the vegan or vegetarian world of vocabulary. So they're saying there might be an accidental switcheroo, if you will. Some of these products use words like bologna slices or another one that we see as pepperoni, and they might be confused. They might not realize it. But in the lawsuit, the Tofurkey folks and their code plaintiff, which is called the Good Food Institute at the Washington, D.C.-based advocacy group says, no way. We know a spade is a spade, and we know meat is meat. And the stuff that our clients and this crowd in the faux meat space is selling, nobody is making mistakes. Another point that they raise in that lawsuit filed earlier this week is they say it's a First Amendment issue. They say this is really unconstitutional, which is why the lawsuit was filed in federal court as opposed to a Missouri court. They're saying we can use the word meat the way we want to use the word meat. Furthermore, they pointed out that the word meat also has been used historically to refer to the edible part of a nut. Or the edible part of a fruit. So this sort of purity, if you will, of the use of the word meat, they feel doesn't really fly in this case.
0: Right. It's going to be interesting to see how this countersuit plays out. We had a similar situation with this uh, food startup called Hampton Creek, which they made a product called Just Mayo. And they got sued saying you can't use the word mayo because it's not real mayonnaise. It's not made with eggs. They ended up dropping the suits. They ended up changing the name and everything. But this is because they were facing that losing battle. It it was not made with eggs specifically, and you couldn't use the name. It might be a similar situation here where they are facing that uphill battle.
1: That's right. And this is not a battle that is unique to the state of Missouri. This is something we see playing out on the federal stage as well. In June, for example, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration announced that they were going to regulate lab-grown meat. Traditional animal proteins have been the jurisdiction of the U.S. Department of Agriculture. So we sort of see even on the federal level... Sort of shifting of thought One marketing expert that I spoke to Said using the word meat Helps the consumer rather than The companies making it in that the consumers Now who are not familiar with these products Know how to use it he called using the word Meat for non-animal meat products as sort of a shortcut like Hey instead of putting this patty Made of cow on my Barbecue grill I will make this Plant based meat patty on my Barbecue so that word meat helps people Replace one product with another while they're just walking through a supermarket aisle.
0: Right. But that also might be another reason why the Missouri Cattlemen's Association was fighting this so hard is because the meat substitute market is expected to grow exponentially again. I mean, they're going to be a $7.5 billion industry by 2025. But last year, it was about $4.2 billion. So it's eating up some of their market share, possibly. And that's another reason why they might want to eliminate the use of the word meat.
1: That's true. That's true. And we see a similar issue unfolding in the dairy space, where people have used the term almond milk for a while or cashew milk and soy milk.
0: Right. And it does put these other companies in a bind because now you have to find other creative ways to name your products. That's uh, an interesting fight over the M word. Zlati Meyer, money reporter for USA Today. Thank you very much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: They're really trying to silence a very large part of this country and those people don't want to be silenced it's not right it's not fair it may not be legal but uh, we'll see we just want fairness you know what we want not regulation we want fairness we have fairness we're all very happy joining us now is jefferson graham tech columnist for usa today and host of the talking tech podcast So the other day, the president went on to Twitter, his favorite outlet there, and and, uh, started bashing Google, saying that search results for Trump news is only reporting or showing fake news media. In other words, it's rigged for him and for others. Uh, He was basically saying that Republican or conservative outlets are not getting placed up in the rankings. Then he went on to say that 96% of the results on Trump news are from national left-wing media. Google responded to that. What did they say about how they rank their search results?
2: their search results are like Switzerland, and there's no ideological uh, bent (laughs) to them. I will also say that one of the articles that he objected to was from Fox News. So the basic thing about Google is it's a popularity game, and the whole way that Google started was that if a lot of people link to something and like it, it goes to the top. It's all based on popularity.
0: They hold secretly their algorithms. They're not going to tell everybody how it works exactly. But we do know a lot about it. As you said, it's a popularity contest. They used to do uh, to use this system called the PageRank system. How did that work?
2: Page rank very simply, is if you've got a website and you get a link to it from the New York Times and the USA Today and the Washington Post, you're going to get to the top. And if you have 50 links from Bob.com and Jim.com, that's not going to mean as much as those voices of authority.
0: A lot of these major news networks with the president considers fake news, they are huge outlets. They are constantly pumping out a bunch of different articles. People are linking to them in various aspects throughout the entire day. So, of course, they're going to get put up to the top, and that's what you're going to see. But they also use basically what your old history, things that you've searched before, location data. They use a lot of stuff that figures into what they're going to show you in your search results.
2: Yeah, the news section, which is what he was talking about, is a popularity contest. The rest of Google is a whole variety of factors. It's your search history, your likes and dislikes, where you live. All those things are factored in. To what you see. And if you do a search for Trump news and I do a search for Trump news, we're not going to see the same results.
0: How about keywords? In your article, you wrote about how in 2003 people were playing with the keywords. And when you typed in miserable failure, stuff for President George W. Bush came out at that point.
2: It happened today oh. with the Russell, yes, the Senate building that they wanted to rename for McCain. Right. They were able to play with it. And if you just search for the building in Google Maps, it came up as the John McCain Senate building.
0: So because people were playing with those keywords so much, it actually changed the name of it on Google Maps? Is that how that worked? Mm -hmm. Wow. But keywords figure a lot into it also. I mean, if uh, a certain page or article or something is using all the right keywords and that's what you're searching, I mean, that's also going to boost it to the top.
2: Right. The flip side is that a restaurant with five-star reviews in Yelp could end up going down to one star. If you just get a whole bunch of people leaving one-star reviews, then the five-star will get weighted down to a one. It's a numbers game. Now, Google's on top of this most of the time. You may get away with it for a little bit, but they usually catch it.
0: You know, one of the things I read also was that a lot of these conservative media outlets don't also get a lot of play. And this goes back into how big some of the major news outlets are. They're not doing a lot of original reporting, let's say. They're linking back to other articles and things like that. So that's another reason why they're not up at the top.
2: They're not up at the top, but they're certainly known in the index. Alex Jones, the conspiracy theorist, remember, he was thrown off Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. But if you do a search for Alex Jones, Wars comes up number one he doesn't go away he's still in there and most of these sites are still in there if you want to ever go down a rabbit hole and start looking up the Nazis were right or Hitler knew what he was talking about or whatever stuff like that you'll find these sites
0: if you're a President Trump supporter or just a conservative or and you want to be exposed to more of those outlets and things like that, is there something you can do to modify your search or well, are like you just kind of playing at the hand of Google's alg- algorithm the whole time?
2: Well, you could personalize You could also make sure that you go to sites like the Drug Report and other conservative outlets. The Drug Report is a repository; they link to the sites that they're interested in, and they're all there. You can also tweak your settings. You can use the Google's News app, Google News app, and you can put in there what your interests are, and have it directed towards you. And I think if you start doing that, then Google on the desktop as well will figure out what you're interested in and start pushing stuff in that direction.
0: So it's all about really using these tools, the searches and everything in the way that you need them. You got to tailor it to yourself and then you'll be getting that stuff. That's why everybody gets something different. And the president saying, you know, I'm not getting all these great news outlets it's because it's based on your history. It's based on all sorts of different things. They did say that they might want to regulate. They're going to investigate and stuff like that. What would that look like?
2: I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know what the, what they're going to come up with. How do you regulate Google as a utility? How do you say what is supposed to be an independent search engine? I don't know how you make the change. Now, you can say when I do a search for restaurants, Yelp should show up, but not Google recommending restaurants. When I do a buying tickets... Google should not show up with the information about tickets. It should be a third party. There's a lot of times that Google pushes itself into the search results, which it's not supposed to do.
0: All right. Well, we'll see how uh, Google continues to respond to this and if the administration does anything else to act on it. Jefferson Graham, tech columnist for USA Today and host of the Talking Tech podcast. Thank you very much for joining us.
2: All right. Thanks a lot.
3: Probably can't guess where you can find all this under one roof. Probably not at the stereo store at the mall. Probably not at the TV shop or the computer center across town. You'll find all this at Sears.
0: Joining us now is Erica Pandey, global e commerce reporter for Axios. There might be another iconic American brand that too many be disappearing. It's Sears. There's a former CEO of Sears Canada that you guys spoke to that said Sears is a cadaver that's being propped up on a chair made to look like it's still breathing. It's the weekend at Bernie's of department stores right now. And it's Mm -hmm. all due to this one man named Eddie Lampert who's been picking it apart for the last 13 years. What's going on with Sears?
3: has been clobbered by the rise of e-commerce, just like any other department store or mall. But because of its iconic role in American culture, I mean, it was the first place to sell fake Christmas trees. For 125 years, Sears' demise has been probably chronicled more than any other. And the way that it's fallen has really fallen on Eddie Lampert. His critics say that, and, and every analyst on Wall Street that watches Sears, I guess there's no more left, but when there were, that's who they pointed to. And that's because Lampert is involved in years as a CEO of Sears, but also through his own hedge fund, ESL Investment. And through that, he has stripped away all of Sears's crowning jewels. So there's its actual physical spaces, its stores and its its real estate. There are some of its iconic brands like Craftsman. And the most recent one is Kenmore, the, the appliance giant that everybody knows well, that's a household name that is up for sale and that you've got Eddie Lambert putting it up for sale through Sears and his own hedge fund coming back around and offering to buy it himself. As the former CEO of Sears, Ken- Canada. Mark Cohen said to us, he's cannibalizing the company, were Cohen's words.
0: He wanted to buy it, I'm assuming, to be able to, because it's still a profitable business, probably, the Kenmore side of it, but to sell it in other places other than just Sears. It's important because, as you were saying, you know, Sears is a lot of times in a lot of places the only department store around. It's still an anchor to a lot of malls but the malls have been failing recently. I have to say the last time I went into a Sears, it was to walk through it to get to the other side of the mall. And, you know, the it was empty. There was no atmosphere. The staff seemed uninterested. And, and that's probably not the case for all Sears across the country, but it has been failing its customers, I feel like. It's not exciting to be there. It doesn't make you want to buy stuff when you're in there.
3: That's exactly right. And And, you know, we said that Sears has been... Falling just as the other great department stores have been and malls have been. It's definitely worth noting that there are plenty of legacy businesses that are still very much standing on their own. You've got Walmart, you've got Costco. Even Macy's this last quarter, the market didn't like what they had to say, but they did present positive sales growth. And that's and, and you know, critics of Lampert say that's because those CEOs are anticipating change and getting ahead of it while Lampert is just kind of taking away Sears' assets from the core of the company.
0: The share price is not doing well at all either. I think at last time it closed it was sharing at just a dollar twenty
3: five. Yep, it closed at a dollar twenty five yesterday. It was at thirty three dollars in twenty fifteen. It's been a, a remarkable decline.
0: Now, i know a lot of stores and department stores and a lot of these iconic brands are shifting more into the online arena I mean, is there any sense that Sears can make that shift? I know they already have a site and they do deliveries and things like that, but is there any chance that they can salvage themselves by putting more emphasis in that direction?
3: That is the route that many retailers have taken, but it's pretty much conventional wisdom on Wall Street now that it's not a matter of if and when with Sears, That right? there's just no saving the company. It's losing too much money. They're bleeding a billion dollars a year and everyone agrees that it's, they're just kind of waiting for the funeral at this point.
0: And they're closing more stores too. They just announced last week they would be closing Right. They seem more. to
3: announce every month that they're closing another fleet of stores because they're unprofitable.
0: And Eddie Lampert, obviously businessman, he's doing smart for himself. There's a bunch of stores that he bought up, and then he's going to reconvert them into shopping centers and apartment complexes. It seems like Sears' most profitable assets are the land that they sit on, more so than the things within it.
3: The New York Times had this story earlier this week where they were looking at specific properties that Eddie Lampert has bought up through a company called called Ceritage, which he chairs. He chairs a board of that company. And they're turning into, you know, these swanky office spaces with roof decks and just like different uh, redeveloping them for mixed use spaces that are going to become the retail of the future. That's a trend that we expect to see across other department stores, too. If Macy's shutters in the future, I wouldn't be surprised to see its real estate becoming its biggest asset.
0: The New York Times has been writing about this as well, and they had this quote that said, you know, no matter where you lived, it shipped your order directly to you, whether you were looking for cast-iron cookware, new technology, whatever. And they say, it's Amazon, right? And they go, no, this was Sears over a century ago. So it's just so weird to see this big, iconic brand just failing like this. And as you said, being torn apart by Eddie Lampert, who you know is supposed to be working with the company, but he's buying parts of it and and just kind of divvying it up and, and making money on the side almost.
3: Right. He's the CEO, the top shareholder and the top lender. You know, he's got his hands everywhere.
0: Wow. Well, it'll be interesting to see if it's a possibility to turn around. But as you said, a lot of people are getting ready for the funeral already for Sears. Erica Pandey, global e-commerce reporter for Axios. Thank you very much for joining us.
3: Thank you so much.
0: All right, that's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook leave us a comment, give us a rating and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow the daily dive on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. The daily dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles. And this was your daily dive.